Come on, could we give a hand clap of praise unto the Lord for just a moment? He's the only one worthy of any hand clap that we could ever give. He's the only one worthy of all glory, of all honor, of all praise. Amen. I'm so thankful to be here before you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here tonight. I take it a great honor to stand behind this pulpit, and I do not take it lightly. Amen. But I'm so thankful for this church body and for this church. Thank you for loving me uh, these past, uh, what has it been, six and a half, seven years now, almost seven years. That's that's crazy that I've been here seven years, but it has been the best seven years of my life, and one of the biggest parts has been being a part of this church, this wonderful church body, so thank you so much for loving me, for growing me, developing me, and I give honor to Pastor tonight. Thank you so much. I, I truly believe we have the greatest pastor on the face of the earth, amen, and I'm not just saying that so he'll like me more, because if I said that or not, he, he'd be just the same, amen, but I... <laughs> I'm so grateful for our pastor, uh, for, for him investing in me and helping me along the way. I'm just, I'm grateful for this kind of pastor who's willing to get hands-on, not just be a passive pastor, but he's active in every aspect of our church. And I'm so thankful to have a pastor like that. This would not be apostolic life today if it wasn't for Brother Robbins, amen. So thankful for him, thankful for my family, for all the countless hours they've poured into me. Getting on to me sometimes, amen. I need it. But no, grateful for them, grateful for this, like I said, this church body. But I'm going to take you to the word of the Lord in Revelation chapter 3. And I'm only going to read two verses to you. And those are those will be verses 7 and 8. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But before I read these verses, uh, I was over here worshiping in the altar for just a moment. And I, I just love it when the Lord confirms his word, amen. When he gives you confirmation, because there's sometimes you get up here and you preach, and sometimes you're a little nervous. You're like, well, I don't know if this is the right vein. I don't know if this is the right message. But I, I felt the confirmation over there. And here's, here's kind of what I felt, that there, that there are people who have walked into this place. You're holding on by a thread. I'm not saying you're holding on by a thread from leaving church. I'm saying your strength is holding on by a thread. Your faith is holding on by a thread. You've been asking for help, and you've been reaching, and you've been wanting help. You've been wanting strength. Let me tell you tonight, tonight is your night. And if you'll respond, if you'll open your heart, open your spirit, and you'll respond, God will give you the strength that you've been searching for. God will give you the faith that you've been searching for. God will give you what you've been searching for. But Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 8 says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Everybody say, For thou hast a little strength. And it's kept my word and it's not denied my name. I just want to preach to you for just a few minutes. And I told Brother Dylan at lunch today, I can't be long. He told me I couldn't be long today. So just for a few minutes today, I'll preach to you on this subject. 
weary but faithful. Weary but faithful. Would you lay your Bibles down and lift your hands. Let's go to the Lord in prayer over the remainder of this service. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your presence and your power that you've allowed us to feel in this place, God. Lord, we need a divine encounter with you tonight. God, come move in this place. God, come have your way. Come speak to us tonight, Lord God. I pray that you would encourage, that you would uplift, that you would strengthen. God, I pray that you would release the gift of faith to operate in this place tonight, Lord God. I'd anoint your word, God. Let it accomplish all that it's set out to do, Lord God. And I pray that we would respond to you, that we would respond to your word, God. Lord, and we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not an expert on vehicles by any matter. You can ask Brother Nolan. I'm not an expert on vehicles on, on any subject unless it's knowing how to change a tire. And I know this is a weird intro, but we're going to get through it. Amen. I do know how to change a tire. My family can attest to that because I had like four flat tires within like three months and had to learn how to change a tire. Actually, me and Carl were on our way to go look at a vehicle, and I got a flat tire on the way to do that. Change that thing in five minutes, though, amen. I got good practice. But, no, I, I'm not an expert on, all, all, on any, really anything vehicle-wise. When the lights come on, I'm like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to take this somewhere. I don't know what's going on. But I'm not an expert on vehicles by any matter, but one thing I have come to find out is that the small parts, whether they look important or not, whether they seem like they're vital to a car's function or not, can be very, very important. They can be very vital. And before I get kicked off, do we have any mechanics in here? Okay, good deal. So I can just tell you all whatever and I'll be fine. Awesome. No, no, but before, before I talk about a topic before I usually say anything. I I like to try to put in a little bit of research. And while doing a little bit of research, I I began to find, I began to look up and to research what the smallest components of a car are, Brother Robbins. So I got on there and I decided to look up what are the smallest components that make up a car but are vital to to its functioning. One person said, and I quote, and I will agree with this, I'm inclined to say that the driver's brain is the smallest part of a moving vehicle. And I've lived in North Mississippi for about seven years now, and I can attest to that. we got some tra- crazy drivers here, amen. But I can attest that one of the smallest parts of any moving vehicle is the driver's brain. But while doing a little bit of research, and on a more serious note, I found that the solenoid is one of the smallest parts of a vehicle. And that's the technical term, solenoid. There may be another name for it. Like I said, I'm not good with vehicles. The solenoid. Okay, the solenoid. Google spelled it with an O, amen. Dr. Google spelled it with an O, so I'm going to go with mechanic Google. And so we're going to call it solenoid, solenoid, whatever you want to call it, amen. The solenoid, solenoid, we'll call it solenoid for you guys. But the solenoid is one of the smallest parts of a vehicle. It is one of the few components needed for starting a car. They work by receiving electrical currents from the battery of your vehicle and currents from the ignition system when you turn your key. As the key is turned or the button is pressed, the solenoid, amen, works its magic and currents from the ignition system 
when you turn on your car. So as the key is turned, we, we, we see this chain of electrical reactions that start your car from the solenoid. Think of it as the initial start that starts your car and leads to all of its complex mechanical parts turning in unison with one another. And I believe it's safe to say that we simply wouldn't be able to jump in our cars, get in our cars, turn a key, and hit the road with the same ease today if we did not have this vital but small piece in our car. We wouldn't be able to just hop in the car and run down to the grocery store and grab a gallon of milk and come back if we did not have this small but important piece in our vehicle. And I've come to preach to someone today that the same can be said about things in the spirit. There are times when life is hard. There are times when life is tough and life leaves you battered and it leaves you bruised. And you wake up with not much strength or not much faith left. But let me tell you, in seasons of weariness and in seasons of struggle and tiredness, sometimes just a little bit of faith is all you need. See, the adversary would try to convince you that in order to defeat him and in order to keep living a life for God, that you must have this gigantic amount of faith or this gigantic amount of strength in order to live a life for God. But you know what? God uses little strength and God uses little faith to get you through some of the most difficult seasons in your life. Amen. So don't one for one minute beat yourself up for having a little strength. Don't beat yourself up for one minute for only having a little faith, saying of God, because even with a little strength, even with a little faith, God can take what you have left and bring you to where he's calling you to go. You may not have all the faith in the world. You may not have all the strength in the world, but let me tell you, the little bit of faith that you have left, God can take and use to get you to where he's designed and called you to go. Come on, somebody. There's seasons when I don't have all the answers. There's seasons when I don't have all the strength in the world, Brother Robbins. There's seasons where I don't have all the answers to the problems. But God said, if you'll take the little bit that you have left and put it in me. Come on, do you believe, do you believe that tonight? If you'll take the little bit of faith, if you'll take the little bit of strength you have left and put that in me, I'll show you what I can do. He says, as long as you have a little bit of faith left and a little bit of strength left and I am willing to work in your favor. It doesn't have to be gigantic, Brother Robbins. It doesn't have to be this enormous amount of faith. But as long as you have a little bit of faith left and a little bit of strength left, God is still willing to move on your behalf. Genesis chapter 1, there's, the first few verses is probably one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And no, it's not because it's really easy to turn to because it's right there in the beginning, amen. It's the first thing you read. That's not why it's my favorite. It's, it's my favorite because it highlights the creative power of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without vo form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we can all quote this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You see, this is probably one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the entire Bible because it highlights and it emphasizes the creative power and the working of the God that we serve. In the beginning, there was a world full of darkness. In the beginning, there was a world full of chaos and a world full of void. But the Spirit of God still moved, Brother Robbins. 
even in the midst of total darkness, even in the midst of total chaos, it didn't stop the Spirit of God from moving. And he began to walk on the scene. He said, let there be light, and there was light. I love this scripture so much because it highlights the fact that no matter how much darkness is in my world, no matter how much chaos I'm walking through, no matter how much darkness I'm walking through, Brother Robbins, when God steps up on the scene and he says, let there be light, you best believe that light has to show up on the scene. Job says that he he forms the earth. He hangeth the earth upon nothing, Brother Robbins. He created created something out of nothing, amen. He didn't need all the complex ideas and 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 the inputs from everybody else. He created it with his own voice, with his own will, with his own intent, with his own counsel and his own plan. He didn't need someone to have all the answers when he created Adam and when he created Eve. He didn't need Adam to have all the answers when he was ordaining him to keep watch over the garden. Just like God doesn't ask us to have all the answers to all the questions in life. And even though I may not have all the strength in the world, Brother Robbins, he said, if you'll just give that little bit that you have to me, I'll create something out of what you think is nothing. Come on, you may think you have no faith at all. You may think that, well, God, my faith's just this big, so it amounts to nothing. But my God hangs the earth upon nothing. In Matthew chapter 17, and I won't read all these verses because it's a little lengthy, but in Matthew chapter 17, we read and we find of a man who has come to Jesus begging him to heal his lunatic and troubled son. He brought him to Jesus' disciples before, asking them, begging them, please help my son for he is troubled and he is a lunatic and he needs your help. I've heard of what you've been doing. You've been casting out devils. You've been healing in the name of Jesus and I need you to touch my son. I need you to call upon the name of Jesus and touch my son. But they couldn't help him, Brother Robbins. As much as they tried, they couldn't help this boy. So he would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've got nowhere else to go to. I've got nowhere else to turn. I need you to heal my son. Jesus came and rebuked this devil, and the boy was healed like that. Moments after this happened, Brother Robbins, his disciples came unto him. I'm paraphrasing this. Why could we not cast him out or else what happened? They had done this before. They had been healing in the name of Jesus before. This is when he had commissioned them to go out and heal in his name, when he sent them two by two. They they had been doing it before, but but they said, why is this time different, Jesus? Why, Why didn't it happen this time? And Jesus' response is marvelous to me. It says, because of your unbelief. He didn't say because you just had a little faith or he didn't say, well, your, your faith was just too little. Your strength, it, it, it was just too little, Brother Robbins, Brother Dylan, your, your strength and your faith, it was just too little to do this. That's why you couldn't do it. No, he said, because you had no faith in me at all. Because you had no faith to believe that I could do this. And then he proceeds to tell them, if you would have had faith, 
the grain of a mustard seed. You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence the honor place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Let me tell you, church, today that it wasn't because the disciples had just a little faith or just a little strength that the mountain didn't move, but it was because they had no faith at all. And God taught them a principle right here in this moment. He said, as long as you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. He said, as long as you have just a little bit of faith, as long as you have just a little bit of strength, I'm still, in the work. I'm still willing to work for you, amen. As long as you still have just a little bit of faith in me. I know it's been hard. I know you've been tired. I know, I know you've been a little weary. But as long as you have a little faith in me, I'm still willing to work on your behalf, amen. I'm still willing to hear you where you are and meet you where you're at. But if you don't have any faith in me at all, how can I work? But he said, as long as you have a little bit left, if you would have put a little bit of faith in me, I could have done this for you. And I've come to encourage somebody today. God doesn't need you to have your best together in order for him to work in you and through you. All he needs is a little bit you have left. God doesn't need you to wait until you have all the answers, until you have it all together, until you get your life back in shape and in order for him to work in you and through you. God can use you and work in you and through you in this moment right now. God doesn't need you to have all the answers. It's okay to have questions, amen. I don't feel like that part's preached about enough. It is okay to have questions, young people. It's okay to have questions. Matthew portrays Jesus' last words on the cross. The last words, according to Matthew, portrayed in Matthew, the last words of Jesus. Do you know what they were, Brother Robbins? It was a question. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? According to Matthew, that was Jesus' last words. It was a question. And so, young person it, or anyone in this building, it is okay to have questions because how can it be answered unless you ask the questions? You know, I feel like it's, it's, it's just the today's society that you're not supposed to ask questions, that you're not supposed to ask, well, why is this like this? Or God, why, why is life so hard right now? Or God, why am I going through this at all? But Brother Robbins, it's okay to have questions. It doesn't make you any less than anybody else. It just makes you human like everybody else. And so if you're in this place and you're battling with sin or anxiety or depression or whatever you're battling and you have questions, let me tell you, it's okay to have questions, but don't let the questions consume you and overwhelm you. Give your questions to the answer. I have the answer to all your questions, saint of God. I have the answer to all your questions, young person, and his name is Jesus. He is the only answer that you'll ever need for every juncture in life, for every question in life, for every moment in life that you doubt. And he is the only answer that you'll ever need. And our God doesn't need gigantic faith and gigantic strength if you don't have it. All he needs is a little because with what you think is a little, God can use to be a part of the miraculous. Just ask the 5,000. There was no food left, Brother Robbins. And if they would have went back to the city, some of them would have fainted and some of them would have died. There was no food left, nothing at all. 
And so they went amongst the crowd asking for food. Do you have food? Do you have food to spare that we can use for this congregation? For no one really has any food. And this little boy walks up with some loaves and fishes. Says, I got something. It's not much. It's just a little bit amongst so many. And even Andrew said it himself. Well, we have this, but what is this amongst so many? It's too little for you to use, God. It's, it's not a, we need way more than this for you to perform a miracle. We need way more than this for you to do something mighty in our midst. God, this, this isn't enough. What is this among so many? They would gather the baskets as he would tell them. And he would bless it and he would break it. And the baskets would fill up and the miraculous would happen because this little boy had a little bit that he was willing to give to Jesus. I know that that's such maybe a simple analogy and a simple point to bring out. But let me tell you the same is true today. You may not think the faith that you have is enough to answer your prayer. But let me tell you, if you'll put a little bit of faith, if you'll put the little bit of faith that you have left into your prayers to God, let me tell you, he will hear and he will answer. You don't have to have all the faith in the world or all the strength in the world if you don't have it. But if you just put what you have left into the miracle worker, he can do what you need him to do. And yes, God desires for us to have big strength and big faith. But let's be realistic tonight. There are seasons in life when I don't have all the strength and I don't have all the faith in the world. There are seasons in life I'm just being realistic because it's life that I don't have it all together. There's times when I don't have it all together, brotherhood, and I don't have all the answers to the questions, and I don't have all the faith that I need to keep going. And there may be, there may be some of you in this house tonight that are in that same spot, but God is saying today, if you'll take the last little bit of faith, the last little bit of strength that you have left and put it in me, I'll turn it into something bigger and greater than you could ever imagine. See, that little bit of faith that you have left, give that to me. You may think the little bit of prayer time that you've been putting in is not much, but keep giving that to me and I'll show you how strong I can move. You may think the little bit of faith you have left doesn't measure up to anything, but God said if you'll give that to me, I'll show you me. I know you're tired, I know you may be weary. But that won't stop God from moving. Your world may be full of darkness. Your world may be full of chaos. But that won't stop God from moving. And I know that this isn't anything, any big revelation tonight. But I know what I felt, even if it's just for one person tonight. You may have walked in this room with not much faith left. You may have been holding on by just a thread. But God said, if you'll give me that last thread, I'll give you the strength you need to go another day. Because I, I've loved the atmosphere around here, Brother Robbins, lately. It's been very challenging. And I know that everyone in this building can attest. It's been very challenging in a good way. We've been challenged to go and to reach the lost. We've been challenged to pray more. We've been challenged to fast more. We've been, we've been challenged to be the church, Brother Robbins. We've been challenged to do greater. But in the midst of all the challenge, if we never sit down and take a moment to allow the Lord to re-strengthen us, we're not going to have the spirit or the strength to fulfill the challenge, amen? 
if I allow my faith to dwindle and I, and I stretch myself thin and I go from here to there to there to there and I'm trying my best and I'm being faithful in all of these challenges, if I don't sit down and take a moment to be re-strengthened and allow the Lord to build my faith, I'm not going to win anybody. My prayer time's not going to go anywhere. If I don't allow myself to slow down for a moment and allow God to re-strengthen me and to re-encourage me and to build my faith, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be at a standstill. But if I'll take a moment, Brother Robbins, and I'll allow the Lord to re-strengthen me, and I'll take a moment and I'll pray, not, not just for other people's needs, and that's a good thing, but let me tell you, it's okay to pray for yourself sometimes. It's okay to ask God for strength for yourself sometimes because in the midst of me interceding over this city and that city and that nation and in the midst of me preaching to this school, in the midst of me going and preaching at P7 clubs and teaching Bible studies, if I don't take a moment to ask God for strength, how am I going to be able to fulfill all that he's called me to do? And so it's okay to sit down and ask God for strength. It's okay for that. If the musicians would come, I won't be too much longer. We read in our scripture text, Revelations chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, and I'll read it again just to refresh our memories. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. We read where there is an open door that no man can shut, that's been open unto the church of Philadelphia. And I'll put in a little plug for Bible quizzing, Brother Robbins. Bible quizzing helped me. Break down this verse a lot. And so if you're not involved in Bible quizzing, this little promo real quick. If you're not involved in Bible quizzing, get involved in Bible quizzing. It's more than learning verses. It helps you understand and it helps you understand how to study. But when looking at this verse, I couldn't, I couldn't look at it, not look at it in a Bible quizzer's view. And so I was reading this verse and Brother Damon told our boys last year about their why words. What are your why words? And so we went over our why words, like what, what is a why word? Therefore, for, because. Those are your why words. And so I was reading this verse in my Bible quiz. The Bible quizzing light bulb went off in my head. And in verse 8 it says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. So I thought, how can I make a question out of this. How can I form a question out of this verse? If you wanted to form a question out of this verse, here's the question that you can form. Why did Jesus open a door that no man can shut? Because thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and it's not denied my name. He's writing to this church and he said that Jesus has opened the door for you that no man can shut. 
I can imagine the church. Well, why did he open a door to us? You understand about the church of Philadelphia, it wasn't the biggest church. It wasn't the most demonstrative church in the region. They were actually dealing with people coming in into the church and trying to commit false doctrine and to tear the church down of Philadelphia. This is what they were going through. People pretending to be their kind just to try to break up the church. Why is there an open door for us? John, why would you write and say that there's an open door that no man can shut open unto us? Why? Thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. If we could all stand. John, why is there a door open unto us? He said, you've been very weary, but even though you've been weary, you've been faithful. Even though you've been tired, even though you've been worn out, even though you've been needing a break, even though you've been weary, you've been faithful. Because you've been faithful over a few things, I'm getting ready to make you ruler over many. John, why is this door opening unto us? We're not even that big of a church. We don't even have that much strength and that much faith left. We're ready to give up. We don't know if we can do it anymore. I'll tell you why. Because even in the midst of your weariness, you've been faithful to me. You've been faithful to my word. You've been faithful to prayer. You've been faithful to fasting. You've been faithful to what I've called you to. And a few verses later, you'll read that he's designed to make this church a pillar in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of speculation about what this open door is, and there is no definite answer. When I was praying and studying about this message, he's writing to a church that has little strength left, a little faith left, but they've been faithful. And he speaks about making them a pillar. We talk about pillars, there's there's strength. They represent strength. They hold things up. And he says, there's a door open unto you. And the thing about doors is they're pointless unless you walk through them. An open door is just an open door unless you walk through it. So he's writing to a weary but faithful church. He says, there's an open door unto you. But it's not just any open door, Brother Robbins. He speaks about making them a pillar, pillar of strength. He says, I know you don't have much strength, but there's an open door. And if you'll walk through this door... There's strength. I know you're weary. I know you're tired, but you've been faithful. And because you've been faithful in your weariness, there is an open door that no man can shut. And if you'll walk through this door, I'll give you the strength that you need to keep going. If you'll walk through this door, I'll give you the strength you need to keep going another day. The strength you've been looking for, the strength that you've been asking for, the strength you've been praying for. Let me tell you tonight. There is an open door in this place. And he said, if you'll walk through the door, I'll give you the strength you need to go another day. If you'll walk through the door tonight, God will give you the strength to go, to keep praying, to keep fasting, to keep being who he's called you to be. If you'll walk through the door of opportunity today, I'll give you the strength 
But before we come to this altar, I want to let you know that no man can shut this door. That doesn't mean that God can't shut the door of opportunity. You may never have another opportunity to walk through this door until some time later. So why not walk through it today? See, if I know one thing about living in a home, my stepdad or with my grandpa, is that if you leave that door open too long, you're getting on to because you're letting out all the cool air. We tell you some doors aren't always made to stay open, Brother Robbins. And I say that to say this, you may not always have this door of opportunity for the strength that you need, but you have it tonight. There's an open door of opportunity for you tonight. For you to get the strength that you need, for you to get the encouragement that you need. And those of you have every head bowed, those of you that have walked into this place with not much strength left, not much faith left, I'm here to tell you that's okay. But it's not okay for you to walk out the same way that you walked in. And there's an open door of opportunity in these altars tonight. And if you'll walk through the door, God will give you the strength you need to go another day. These altars are open. The door of opportunity is open. If that's you tonight, if you just need that little bit of strength, if you, if you need some more strength tonight, Come on, I, there, there, we, we can pray about getting challenged another night. We, we can pray, God, increase our prayer life and God, increase our fasting life another night. But what this time is designated for is strength. 